everybody. Good evening. Nice to see you. My name's Josh. Um, it's good to, to be able to share the Word of God tonight. Um, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God, Colossians 3. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews 4. Over the last two weeks, as Charlotte's just said, we've been looking um, at the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this week, we're finishing by looking at the ascension of Jesus Christ. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but um, as Christians, um, a lot of, so for example, a lot of our songs that we sing, this isn't no one's fault, this is just the songs that are, this is it, the songs that are being written over the last 10, 15, 20 years, whatever. A lot of the songs that we sing tend to focus a lot around maybe the death of Christ, the, the, the blood of Christ, the, the, the death of Christ. Yeah, it's really, really central. The death of Christ. And a lot of, I mean, if, if you go on Amazon, um, you can find tons of books on the death of Christ. You can, you can find tons of books on the resurrection of Christ. And you can find tons of books on the second coming, right? End of the world stuff. Loads of, loads of books <laughs> Loads of books on that, tons of podcasts, tons of material. But the problem is, right, this is the problem, big problem. We focus a lot of our time on what Christ has done and what Christ will do, but we don't really spend much time talking about what Christ is doing right now. What is Jesus doing right now? What's our ascended high priest, as we just read, what is he doing right now? So if you want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which really, if you read the whole chapter, it kind of sums up our three-week series, but we're going to make things more complicated than they are. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to give you time to get there because I don't like it when people just jump straight into the scripture and I can't find it. Um, so um, from verse 16, it says, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Verse 24. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. Key verse. You ready? For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. He must reign. Jesus must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. Christ, through you and me, still has quite a lot to accomplish. Um, Charlotte touched on this two weeks ago. Um, and um, don't, please don't misunderstand me. The death of Jesus Christ is really important. Um, it's really important, isn't it? The death of Jesus Christ achieved so much for you and me, didn't it? It, it removed any barrier that was between you and God, any sin, any, any wrath, any of the bad stuff, anything that was in the way, it completely removed it. did away with sin once and for all. We're not disputing, are we, that, that, that the death is really important. But Paul says here, if you read it, what does he say? The death of Christ by itself does not accomplish anything. It's not a means to an end. What's he saying? Verse 7, 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. If all we do is look to the death of Christ, our faith is futile. We have to see, and this is really important, we have to see the death of Christ as starting something, as beginning a, a revolution. It, the death of Christ got the ball rolling. It, it kicked it all off. Use any other analogy. There's, there's plenty out there. It, it's not quite finished yet. Some of you might say, well, doesn't John, John's gospel, Jesus on the cross, doesn't he say it is finished? Well, actually, um, he does say that. You're right. But the verb Jesus uses, it's in a perfect tense. And all that means is a past action with a continual effect. If you don't understand that, and that's absolutely fine. I know it's geeky and sad, but this video might help to explain what I mean by that. So if we can play the video. The death of Christ has a continual and ongoing impact and effect. 
um, past action with an ongoing effect. Um, For he, Christ, must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. So we've got work to do. We've got work to do. Um, Everything isn't quite accomplished. Everything's not quite finished. God's in-breaking kingdom has yet to be realized in all of its fullness. And so the gospel is not that once upon a time humans sinned and God got really angry. And just as he was about to smite us, Jesus dives in the way, takes the blow for us, and now God isn't angry at us. And now we don't go to hell, but now we kind of wait to be raptured and taken away into heaven. That's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. Don't reduce the cross simply to our own, dealing with our own personal sin. The cross made you and me right so that we could make the world right again. It isn't a ticket to heaven. The cross, the death of Christ, is an invitation for you and me to bring God's awesome kingdom to earth, to make earth how it was originally intended to be. That's good news. Um, If you want to go to the book of Hebrews, get all of your Hebrews jokes out now, maybe. Alistair's behind you, so he can, he, he, he can inform you. So, um, Hebrews. I love the book of Hebrews. I spent a lot, past five years really getting to know it quite a lot. Um, it's a wonderful book. It's, um, it talks about angels. You've got this mysterious guy called Melchizedek. It doesn't really appear in the Bible that much. Um, you've got warnings to persevere. You've got, you hear about a new covenant. There's a lot about blood and sacrifice. And there's a cloud of witnesses. There's Mount Zion. There's a heavenly city. It's a wonderful book. Give it a read. Hebrews, though, more than any other book in the New Testament, is more concerned about what Jesus is doing right now. It's all about the ascended Christ. Okay, yes, it talks about the death of Christ. But its main focus is what is Jesus doing right now? And and what's our role in that? Hebrews chapter 2. From verse 5. Now God did not subject the coming world about which we are speaking to angels. In other words, um, God's awesome kingdom, he didn't put it in charge. Um, he, didn't, he didn't put angels in charge of his inbreaking kingdom. Who did he put in charge? What's it say? Verse 6. Someone has testified somewhere and he's just about to quote Psalm 8. I love this psalm. What are human beings that you are mindful of them? Or mortals that you care for them. In the full version of Psalm 8, it says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them? I don't know if you've ever spent time gazing at the stars. Clearly not. Um, You can't really see the stars in Manchester. Um, But if you go to where I'm from in in the Peak District and you go out at night time, you can see thousands and thousands of thousands of beautiful stars. Um, And so I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you just kind of think, hold on a minute, maybe you watch a film about space or something. I I do that. And and I just think, hold on a minute, I'm in space, technically. I'm on planet Earth, but I'm in space. And and there's so many stars I've read on um, Google that there are... 400 
billion stars in the Milky Way. And there are 100 billion known galaxies. That's a key word, known. We can't see. <laughs> That's all we can see, right? <laughs> There's so much more out there. And so we might, you know, when we look at God's awesome creation, oh, and by the way, um, Psalm 147 verse 7 says that God's named every single star. 400 billion, that's a lot of names, isn't it? So we might think, who am I? What's my purpose in this world, in this universe? You might think, you know, am I, am I really that important? And so the guy who wrote this psalm feels really insignificant. And when he considers the works of God's hands, he feels insignificant. But watch what happens. Hebrews 2 verse 7. He says of himself, but you have made them, you've made us a little lower than the angels. And you've crowned them with glory and honor, subjecting all things under their feet. The rest of Psalm 8 says, you've made them a little lower than God, it's in the Bible. And then it says, you have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You see, after feeling really insignificant by looking at the moon and the stars, the psalmist realizes, hold on a minute, I'm part of God's creation. I'm part of God's creation, and I'm not just part of it, but I'm the pinnacle of God's creation. All of this time, I've been admiring the moon and the stars when I could have just been looking in the mirror. It's true. Say to the person next to you, I look good, don't I? All right, let's not overdo it. But the psalmist realizes he, he doesn't just possess worth but he's got a little bit of responsibility as well. Um, he has to rule over God's creation. Um, it says you've given them dominion. That word just means to, to rule or to govern. Hebrews 2 verse 8, what does it say? Now in subjecting all things to them, God left nothing outside of their control. As it is, we do not yet see everything in subjection to them. You see, we were given authority, we were given responsibility, but we don't really see everything in subjection, do we? And, and it's the same story all throughout the Bible, pretty much, beginning with the Garden of Eden. God gives um, Adam and Eve this garden to cultivate, to, to, to look after, and what happens? It doesn't take long, does it, till that kind of gets a bit ruined. And the rest of human history kind of has a similar pattern. And we see that we don't have creation subject to us, and we see wars and poverty and corrupt government, polluted environments, and on and on. And even this week in the news, and right now in Manchester, there's a vigil for the, you know, the people um, who were affected by the, the terrorist attacks in Sri Lanka. Hundreds of people, right? Lives taken from them, toddlers and pensioners, you know. Their lives taken from them in an act of terror and hate, we don't yet see everything in subjection to us. But um, we might not see everything in subjection to us, but what does uh, verse 9 say in Hebrews 2? We do see Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, 
so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. We do see the ascended Christ. He came, didn't he, Jesus? He, he took on human flesh. He was made a little lower than the angels. And, and, and Hebrews says he became like you. He became like me, yet without sin. And that's the key statement. Um, Jesus, in a sense, was kind of given his own garden to, to live in, his own garden of Eden. But Jesus didn't sin, did he? He, he, he didn't hand power over to the enemy. He was fully obedient, even to death on a cross. In every area of Jesus' life, he was perfect. And he took on our humanity and he freed it from death, sin and death. And, and he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven. And we read here what he's crowned with glory and honor. He's seated in majesty and he is reigning and we're reigning with him. If Adam... A human being got us into this mess, and another human, Jesus, is going to get us out of it. And now, reigning with Christ, we're called to exercise dominion, aren't we? Um, but if you're a little bit like me, you might feel really overwhelmed with um, this reality that we are have to bring God's kingdom alongside Christ. That until everything is under his feet, the end won't come. And sometimes preaching about um, the, uh, God's kingdom can feel a little bit unattainable, can't it? Um, and not really down to earth and, and stuff that we can really grasp. It feels a bit too broad. Where do we start? Um, I don't know if you have like a news app on your phone, maybe Sky News or, or BBC News, whatever, whatever news app you have. I have no opinions of what's better. Um, but I don't know, I, I sometimes, I'm scrolling through it and, and I just feel like, you know, oh my goodness, the world is just broken. The world is just breaking all around us, all, all around the world. There's poverty, there's corruption, there's abuse, there's death, there's terror. And, and even with the recent you know, Sri Lanka attacks, I'm sat there on my phone thinking, what can I do? I feel so helpless. Can I do anything? And I start to feel guilty, like, well, if I was praying, then this wouldn't have happened. But you know what? Jesus says, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Love the sphere of influence I have put you around. And we can't, you can't, I can't, we can't solve all of the world's problems but we can do what Jesus told us to do, and we can begin by loving our neighbor. God gives Adam and Eve a garden to cultivate. He doesn't say, hey, go and fix the whole world. And so ask God, even right now maybe, ask him, you know, what garden has God given you? And how can you cultivate it? How can you trim the hedges? How can you remove the thorns and thistles? How can you bring fruit in your garden? Maybe we could be more sustainable. You know, maybe we could start to protect our environment. And um, what could we do? You know, what could you do? Maybe you could join a, a local gym, um, attend some Zumba classes. Damien, Zumba classes. <laughs> Damien looks up for it. Meet some non-Christians. Start to invest in, in, in people. Start to, to, to share your faith, share God's love with them. For many of us, you know, our, our weeks consist of nine to five, working, right? Or, or 
whatever hours you, you, you do, or maybe you're in university uh, quite a lot. And so this is our sphere of influence, isn't it? Wouldn't it be amazing in, you know, if in our workplace um, we were so Christ-like and we brought God's kingdom in that way that it would be our manager's nightmare if we left? And all our work colleagues would say, bring them back. You know, the, the light's gone out of our lives. They might not say it like that. You know, they might not say it in that kind of way. But that's what they mean. So what is God asking you to do? And maybe it's that person on your commute, work colleague, friend at university. And you feel that, don't you? You know, you, you feel the nudge of, of the spirit, don't you, when you're in those situations? I, I certainly do. And you can ignore it, can't you? But you can every morning, you know, you can get up and you can just pray a simple prayer. It takes a few seconds just say, you know, God... Help me to be sensitive to your voice today. You know, if maybe there's someone you want to highlight to me, help me to be obedient in that. Just takes little steps. Doesn't need to be get on a plane to Sri Lanka. Just takes little steps. So, um, Jesus, in becoming human, experienced the same struggles as, as you and me, the same difficulties, the same temptations that we face. Jesus knows what it's like to face rejection, doesn't he? he? He knows what it's like to have all of his disciples leave him and reject him and to face temptation and feel like giving it all up and I can't do it. Jesus knows what it feels like. He knows what it's like but you, in your situation, whatever it is, you are not helpless. And if you keep reading Hebrews 2 from verse 17, it says, Jesus became like you and me in every way. Why? So that he could become a faithful, merciful high priest. That he might make atonement once and for all, for all sins. And because he suffered when he was tempted... Jesus is able to help those who are being tempted. He knows, he understands, he gets it, right? He can emphasize with you and me because he went through the same things. He's a merciful, he's a sympathetic, empathetic high priest. Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore let us approach God's throne with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Your high priest intercedes for you. He's got you. He's, he's always extending help towards you so you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to be helpless. He gives us grace in our time of need. He's able to help you persevere. He's able to help you hold on to the faith that you're professing right now and not give it all up. Jesus, your high priest, is not like earthly priests. He's not even like church leaders, thank heavens. He's, he's not even like parents. He's, he's not even like older, wiser people in your life because they will all let you down and pass away. Jesus is our eternal high priest forever. And he, he offers help and mercy and grace and strength and everything we need till our last breath. I'm going to ask us if we could all stand.
and just do a little exercise with me. Um, if Maybe by closing your eyes, this might help, but um, I'm going to read some of Hebrews, and I just want us to do something which I think will be quite powerful for us. Hebrews 10 verse 11 says, Day after day, every priest stands and he performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. You know, maybe you're going through something right now. Maybe you've been through something. You know, maybe there's something coming up that's a bit anticipating. And you might feel like this Old Testament priest continually working, continually atoning for sin, repetition over and over again, actively walking around and working. But what's it say in verse 12? But when this priest, Christ, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. As Christ sits, there's a little contrast there between those who are always working. He rests he sits down in heaven at the right hand of the father the majesty on high knowing he's made atonement for your sin once and for all and and he's in this position of active ruling so i want us to join him right now and take that situation whatever it is i want us to sit like christ ascended into heaven and sat down shall we do that let's sit with Christ. Paul says you're seated with Christ on high. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. But, and this is the bit liturgy misses out, Christ must reign until all things are put under his feet, until all his enemies are put under his feet, until all of God's kingdom comes in all its fullness and we reign with Christ. We take back our authority. God gave us authority right in the beginning, going back to the Garden of Eden, to have authority over all creation, to cultivate the earth, to bring goodness to the earth. And um, a big theme in Hebrews is about our ability to approach not just the holy place. We sing that song, don't we? You made a way for me to enter the holy place. You know it? Yeah? Well, he did more than that, okay? Because we actually can enter the holy of holies, right? The holiest place. There's a tier, okay? Holy place, holy of holies. We can have the most intimate relationship with God, to go into that place where a high priest went once a year and no one else, we have that. Hebrews says we have that access. We can go into the holy of holies. Maybe that would work. I don't know. We have that. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't feel like you have that. Maybe there's things in your life. Um, that, I mean, it could be anything. It could just be, I don't really know Jesus. I'm not really following him. 
just taking it easy. One day I will. Did, does anyone do that? Did anyone do that? I did that when I was younger. One day I'll follow Jesus. Right now I'm just going to chill out, um, you know, maybe do what I want for a little bit, go out with loads of people, just party. And then one day, you know, when I'm, I'm really bored, yeah, and I've lived my life, I'll follow Jesus when I'm like 55 maybe. People, you know, people are 55, they haven't got a life, have they? They might as well follow Jesus. Hey, I, we've all got a past, all right? I'm not saying this is right. <laughs> Amen. So, this, this, yeah, we know this is totally a wrong way of thinking, isn't it? Jesus offers us eternal life right now. Amazing, fantastic, awesome life right now. We can live life to the fullest right now. Our life will always be inadequate unless we're following Jesus. Why? Because he made you. Jesus, God, he made you. And until you come into relationship with him, you will always be restless. You will always be restless. Life will always be meaningless and empty and there will always be something inside that doesn't quite feel right. Because he made you for himself and until you come back into that relationship, that's life. So right now I'm going to ask the worship team if they'd like to return to their floor. And wherever you're at right now, um, you might be in the Holy of Holies, you might be far away outside the courts, not daring to enter in in case God's presence is too scary. Um, I want to invite us to stand. And I want to... Um, invite us, maybe there's some confession in our hearts that we need to bring before God. Maybe there's something in the way. God loves us, doesn't he? Deeply, intimately. And he, he came and he lived our lives for us. That's how much God loves us. And he doesn't want us to be outside of relationship with him. And so let's capture, let's take what he's purchased for us and let's go, wow, enter into the Holy of Holies and worship him. Amen? Amen. Awesome.